Good morning, church. What a great day to be together, worshiping. Uh, I love that last song. I, I know I've heard that song before, but I don't know that we've ever done it. We probably have. But, uh, man, I tell you, I, what a great, great uh, declaration. I need your love more than anything. I think that God really shows uh, himself to us in times of need. And right now, let me just say this. I need God more than ever before. And so look, before, before, we, uh, before I preach this morning, let me just take a second and just mention a couple of quick things. Uh, you know, for one thing, um, if you're struggling, maybe you're struggling with some, maybe some fear, some just stuff that goes on, you can ask the Lord. You can trust Him. The devil, the enemy will come and he will try and, and tell you that things are getting worse, things are not going to get better, but he's a liar. Know that. The Bible tells us that when those thoughts come, we can pull those thoughts down. We can just pull them down, and the way you pull them down is you lift up the, what the Bible says, what the Word of God says. And Pastor Joe just mentioned it a second ago, that uh, God never leaves us, he never abandons us. He's always an ever-present God in a time of need. And so let me, uh, let me just take a second and pray, and I want to just bring uh, a word to you today. Uh, I want to talk to you about thoughts, uh, about, you know, guarding our thoughts, about controlling our thoughts. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for the, uh, for the word that you've given us, the scriptures, your word, the promises, Lord, of, of, of life and the promise of hope. And so, God, I ask that you give us ears that can hear, give us eyes that can see, and give us hearts that are, that are tender. Let our hearts be open and, and, and pliable and, and just able to receive what you are saying to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know this, I don't know if you've been watching uh, uh, any television the last week or so, but I love John Wayne. Uh, you know, uh, my wife and I, we debate on which movie we're going to watch, and usually she wins and we watch something else. But anyway, I love John Wayne, and there, I don't think I've seen this movie on yet, but there's a movie that John Wayne did called The Quiet Man. And it's, he's a boxer in this movie, and I just want to make mention of something. There's a fight scene in that movie that goes for nine minutes. I think they take a break in the middle of their, their fight, their brawl, and they, you know, get something to drink, and they talk, and then they start fighting again. It's like, I, sometimes I watch those t types of movies, and after a point, I'm thinking, I get it, I get it. The man, the fight just goes on and on. But the thing is, is a nine-minute fight on screen is like an eternity, unless you make it funny. And then, of course, uh, you know, I was looking at not watching them, but I was just kind of looking at some information about the Rocky movies. And, well, let me just say, those fights go on and on. They never end. It's, it's a constant fight in those. But today, the, the fight I want to talk to you about is the fight that we have with the, the, the battle in our mind. We have a battle that goes on in our mind continuously trying to tell us that, that basically things are getting worse, that we can't get better, that hope is at a minimum, and that God is not present, whatever it is. But I want you to know today that God has given us great things. He's given us His Word. He's given us His promises. As a matter of fact, let me, uh, let me read a verse here. This is actually a verse uh, in Psalm 91, verse 4. And this is what it says. It says that he will cover you with his feathers, you know, using the analogy of an eagle. Uh, he will shelter you with his wings. 
And then he says, his faithful promises are your armor and protection. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. I heard this story years ago, a couple years ago, and I went and looked it up just to make sure I had the information right. And it's called the longest boxing match in history. And, of course, I heard somebody talk about it one time, and I thought, I can't remember all those details. So I looked it up. This took place April the 6th, 1893. Uh, Andy Bowen and a guy named Jack Burke, they fought the longest gloved boxing match in history at Olympic Club, uh, at the Olympic Club in New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, listen to this. Uh, the fight lasted for seven hours and 19 minutes. And I'm complaining about a nine-minute fight scene in a movie. But this went on for seven hours and 19 minutes. Uh, it started at 9 p.m. and it went to early in the morning. It went 110 rounds. 110 rounds. Ding, they'd get out there and they'd fight and beat each other up, do whatever. And after so many hours, it got to the point where... Uh, they couldn't hardly stand up. As a matter of fact, in the 25th round, one guy knocked another guy down, but the bell saved him. And so he got up after the bell had rung because it saved him, and they went and they fought another, uh, golly, 85 rounds. That, to me, is like unthinkable. It's unbelievable that people could fight that long. But I want you to know, ever since I came to Christ, I've been fighting a fight, and you too with thoughts, with the enemy that comes and tries to tell us things are only going to get worse. Things can, that we can't trust God. It tells us all these thoughts come and tell us that. Try to believe this. Try to believe that. Well, this morning, I want to just give you a couple of quick thoughts. And the first thought is this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 34, uh, this is the New King James. It says, therefore, Jesus says, therefore, do not worry uh, by saying, do not worry by saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? Uh, for after these things the Gentiles seek. Uh, and then he goes on, he says, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, here's the first thought that I want to give you today, and that's this. Remember this, that we open the door wide when we begin to talk or to say the problems, when we begin to talk about the negativity, when we watch the news and we begin to have discussions about, oh, this is getting worse. Oh, did you hear that this shutdown may last for, uh, for another It may never open up again, blah, blah, blah. Whenever we talk about those things, and Jesus says it in the very first verse that I read here. He says, therefore, do not worry. Another translation says, take no thought, saying. So let me tell you how you, you initiate worry in your life. You talk about it. You talk about the negativity. You talk about the problems. You talk about the, in, in light of, uh, well, you know, this could be, this could be, that could be. Did you hear this? You know what I love? I love taking time to talk about what I know. And here's what I know. I know that God tells me to seek him first. I know that God says that his promises are our armor. It says his faithful promises. That is our armor and, it, and our protection. And so today, first of all, uh, I want you to remember this. We open the door 
to whatever we want our life to reflect by what we say, by what we talk about. Because it all begins with a thought. We hear a thought, and we begin to develop it, and it begins to grow, and we begin to imagine, and it begins to go to another level. And so we open the door wide. We open our lives really, really wide by what we talk about. And so Jesus says, don't take a thought saying the problem. What are we going to wear? What are we going to eat? Where are we going to live? What are we going to put on? He says, he wants us to talk, seek him first and talk about what he is saying. And of course, the verse I just read to you a second ago is the second thing I want you to remember. And that is this. Remember this, that God's faithful promises, is, that is your armor and your protection. His faithful promises. You can be living in the midst of turmoil. And in a way, we kind of are. It's half good, it's half bad. It's half open, it's half closed. It's never going to, it's probably going to, it might, it might not. It's so much turmoil. But let me tell you what's not tumultuous is God his promises. His promises are yes. His promises never fail. He sent his, he sent his word to heal us, to deliver us, to bring life, to bring good to our lives. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, this is what this verse says. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, here's what I do know. I know that if you let negativity have an inch, it'll take a mile. If you let uh, the, the, the open, if you open your life to negative thoughts, if you open your life to negative conversations, just an inch, it'll take a mile. It'll take you where you don't want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay and take you further and all that stuff. It'll take you places you do not want to go. And so we have to control what we think about because it controls what we say. And so if we're focusing on God's promises and God's a word, then what we'll begin to do, we have to make the decision to say what we're planting in our mind, not what's flying through our mind. There's things that fly through my mind all day long. I hear a word. I hear a thought. I hear things. Uh, I read things, and it'll come up with a thought. And that thought will just begin to take me off somewhere. I have to pull that thought back. And so the process of getting free and the process of losing our faith, it's, it, it's basically the opposite. The process of getting free is I'm going to go over this with you real quick. If you take this process in the negative, it will take you into losing your hope and your faith that things can be better. Let me say this first. James chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. In other words, that word enticed is like dangling a carrot. We have things inside of us. And it's like we want it for whatever reason. Human nature wants to hear the negative. Well, I just need to be informed there's things that I don't want to be informed about because those things are going to be changed before I can even tell five or ten more people, oh, that's not even true anymore. So the thing is, is we're drawn away uh, whenever uh, we're, we're drawn away whenever things entice us. 
Oh, you need to hear this. You need to, so let me just finish reading this, and I'll go forward with this. He says, then lust, when lust is con- conceived, or basically it's, it's brought to fruition, it brings forth sin. And then sin, when it's finished, it brings forth death. Now that's the progression of sin. Let me talk to you about the progression of living free. This is what it takes to live free. Now he says there in that verse we just read a second ago in 2 Corinthians. Let me read it again. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. It says, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so here's what he says. He talks about strongholds that have to be pulled down. He talks about imaginations that have to be cast down. He talks about high things that have to be brought low. And he talks about every thought has to be filtered through the word of God. Thoughts. So let's talk about thoughts for just a second. Thoughts. Uh, basically, uh, we, things that we try to get a grasp on, we hear some news and we're going, wow, that's crazy. That's, but does it line up with what God's word says? Well, I just want to know. I just want to be informed. So basically that word thought, he says, bringing every thought into captivity. Is it going to help me go forward? Is it going to help me stay the course? Or is it going to pull me off? Thoughts come and thoughts go. We control what stays. We have to control what stays. And so when thoughts come, we we either try to get a grasp on it, we we try to figure out, well, how does this fit into my life? Uh, How does this affect me? How do I respond? And the truth of the matter is, is if it's challenging me, a thought coming, if it challenges me to respond in an opposite direction of what God says, you know what we have to do with that thought? we got to grab that thought and we got to pull it down. We've got to take that thought. We've got to filter it through the word of God. Listen, there's negativity everywhere. This is a fallen world. And if we don't take those thoughts and control them, they will control us. And so thoughts have to be filtered and pulled down. Uh, then he talks about high things. High things. A high thing is something that exalts itself against what I know to be true about God in the word. It's a barrier. It's a hurdle. It's a fortress, a a fortification. It's an insurmountable obstacle. Something that I look at, and it's like, let's say you're believing for healing. Let's say you're believing for a loved one to be saved. Let's say you're believing for, for your business to thrive, but you've got all of these things that are saying, these barriers, these hurdles that say, oh, no, that can't work because and it'll just list things after another oh that person won't get saved because and then all these thoughts you you can write lists of why things can't work why god's promises can't be fulfilled in your life it's easy but let me tell you what's the challenge is for us to take those things those high things and say well this says that my loved one will never be saved or my business will never thrive but the word of god says the gospel is the power of god to save the lost And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to begin to share the gospel. I'm going to begin to do my business. I'm going to begin to operate in my business by godly values, by giving, by being generous, by being kind, by being integral, by being upfront. Those principles are are the high things. Those are high things, but you can't just believe in them. We have to put them into operation. We have to put them into action. 
And so you got thoughts that have to be brought down, high things that have to be, we got to say, oh, the high thing is this can never happen. You can never be healed because give you all kinds of thoughts. Oh, because the doctor said the report, but God says, I sent my word to heal you. So we pulled that thought down. We pull those thoughts down. We're not going to let those thoughts exalt themselves against what God says. And imaginations, imaginations, natural reasonings, human intellect. You know, we, we're so smart sometimes, we just outsmart ourselves from the blessing of God. I cannot explain to you how God can forgive someone like me. I can't explain. I can explain what the Bible says, how I got saved, but I cannot explain to you why God loved me other than he's the God of love. I can't explain. It's not anything that qualified me. It's that God received me. He accepted me. And so imaginations, every imagination that comes and begins to lead me in the wrong direction, I have to take that and I have to cast that imagination down. Those imaginations that tell you it's impossible for your life to change. It's impossible. That can't work. You're going to start giving, being generous to, to other people, being generous and sharing your goods and, and tithing and giving or whatever that looks like. You're going to begin to speak wholeness and healing to your life. That's just a joke. That won't work. We've got to take those words and we've got to pull them down. Those are imaginations that have to be dealt with. And then, of course, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 tells us this. It says that there is a way that appears to be right, but the end thereof is death or destruction. There's a way in the natural. We look at things and we go, well, you can say what you want, but that doesn't change the facts. The facts are that the doctor said, I have this disease. The doctor says, I have cancer. The facts are, I'm bankrupt. The facts are, I've blown it and it can never be restored. Those are facts. But the truth is that God is a God that makes a way where there appears to be no way. And that's what he wants to do for you. And the very last one in this, this verse I read is on, it's, it's, it talks about strongholds. We have to take strongholds. Let me tell you what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a, it's a, like a, 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 a fortress. It's, a, it's something that fastens itself to us and won't let us go. A stronghold. You know, drug addiction is a stronghold. And people that are addicted to drugs, they go through things where they say, this can't change. Why? Because it's impossible. It's a stronghold. But Jesus says that we're to pull those strongholds down. We pull them down and we replace them with what God says. That I am free. I have power over sin. I have power over, over things that try to take me and pull me astray. And it's not just words we say and we go, la-di-da, well, I'm just not going to do it anymore. We have to fill our minds and fill our thoughts. Our thoughts control our words. You want to know what's in your mind? Listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. And I'll tell you right now, that's what's going on in your mind. Some of you right now are arguing your mind. Oh, that can't happen. That's impossible. I tried it and it won't work. I want you to know. The Bible tells us that we can pull down strongholds. We can cast down imaginations. We can, we can break the, the power of, of high things and thoughts. We can control all that. But it doesn't happen in a second. It only happens when we replace the word of, of negativity with the word of God. We have to replace it with the word of God. That word strongholds 
If you, if you check out what that word means in a Bible dictionary, it implies arguing and reasoning. I'm arguing with that. I'm arguing with what the Word of God says. You know people like that. You might even have been there in your own life. I have, because I liked certain things, and then when the Bible says God does, that doesn't please God, well, I argued, well, what's wrong with it? Well, it has to be like that. I was born this way. This has been this way in my family forever, or whatever. A stronghold causes us to argue and to defend something that's destroying our life. The Apostle Paul tells us in this verse that we are to take all that and to cast it down. It's not easy. I talked to you about a 110-round fight that took place in 1890-something. I talked to you about movies that go on and on with the fighting and, and all. And it's like, here's the thing. Why can't we all just get along? Because you have an enemy and I have an enemy that wants to destroy my life. He hates us. The devil hates us. But God love, God's love is stronger than the enemy's hate. And God will help us if we will lean into him and allow him to help us. Let me read that verse uh, again out of the Amplified uh, Translation. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. It goes through all these strongholds, imaginations, high things, and thoughts. And he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not physical, weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. That's what I'm talking about. I want the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds that have held you and me in bondage, telling me that my life cannot be different. It can be different. It can be, you can live free. He goes on, he says, Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose us, uh, away captive into obedience to, the, uh, to Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Now, I kind of took that verse, and I kind of spent some time kind of writing it in my own words. And let me read through this real quick, because I have, like, I came to Christ in 1972. I've lived... Uh, with lots of friends in my life, lots of people that I have loved and cared for uh, since the first day I got saved, first day I came to Christ. And in all the years that I have been born again, I have seen people that I still love to this day, but they fall away. And they begin to lose their grip. They begin to argue and, and reason against the Word of God because somehow they want something else. Well, why can't it be like this too? Let me read this to you. This is, uh, just, this is my own words, my own thoughts here. Many believers are taken captive by distorted thoughts. They don't happen in a second. Distorted thoughts that bring them into opposition with God's word. Causing them to argue and to defend false values and lifestyles. Which is in opposition to God's plan these thoughts and arguments create strongholds then they start to drive a wedge between us and god's love see the thing is is the devil doesn't necessarily need to come and just destroy your life in a second he'll do it an inch at a time he'll do it a thought at a time he'll come in and bring ideas and and well why can't it be like this well here's the thing 
you want to know about what the, what the Bible teaches about certain things, you can look it up. You can ask somebody, does the Bible have a... And see, here's what people do. They say, well, the Bible's misinterpreted. The Bible's not translated accurately. Well, I guess we'll just have to have to uh, agree to disagree on that. I believe God's word is infallible. I believe that God has, has created his word that will stand the test of time. Last verse I want to mention today, and that is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 33. Chapter 14, verse 33, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. It says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Here's the thing. If you're struggling with confusion about God and about how God wants you to live and what God wants to do in your life, if you're struggling with that, know this, that God is not creating that. He's not causing you to, to, to begin to go, well, it's just too hard to understand. The gospel is the message of hope. It's the message of peace. It's the message of clarity. God, here's, here's what I know. If I know nothing else, here's what I know. God loves you. He loves you. He gave his son to die on a cross for you. And he wants you and me to know him as a father and a savior through Christ. So this morning, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a second and pray. I know I've talked about a lot of things today. I know we've gone, about, gone through a lot of different thoughts today. But you know what? You can actually download the, uh, the scriptures. I think it's on Facebook. You can get, get it there. If not, you can send a link, and uh, we'll make sure you get it. But here's the thing. I'm just reading what the Bible says. I'm not making this up. I'm just reading what the Bible says. But let me pray.